Hello everyone and welcome to the Banter Roundtable podcast. This is your host, Ben Cohen. And I'm Bob Seska. And I'm Justin Rosario. The Banter Roundtable podcast is brought to you by the Banter Newsletter. We rely on our generous subscribers to keep going, so please support us by signing up for a Banter membership today. everybody, welcome to episode 57 of the Banter Roundtable podcast. We have a very exciting show for you today. Uh, first of all, we want to apologise. Last We got so carried away last week that we forgot to talk about George Santos. Uh, and apparently we forgot to do our both side segment because we were... <laughs> we were what happened, guys? What happened? What happened to us? Did we just... We just uh, went... We just went over... We just went long on some stuff. Yeah. We got really deep into it and we went long on some stuff, so... George Santos ended up on the cutting room floor, which is fine because now we have even better stuff to talk about this week. Yes, yeah, this is we're going to dive into that. Uh, we, we're going to be talking about George Santos. We're going to be talking about the debt ceiling crisis, oh boy. Uh, the anti-vax lunacy that is now spiraling completely out of control on Elon Musk's sub, uh, uh, Twitter, and we're also going to be talking about Substack's role in all of this as well. That's my piece this week. We're talk- right. also talking about Twitter losing ludicrous amounts of money. What the fuck is Elon Musk doing at this point? We have our both sides segment. And then in the emergency meeting, we're going to be talking about liberals freaking out about Joe Biden's classified document scandal. Liberals really are in a real state about this. And we're going to be discussing uh, why they all need to calm the F down. Mm -hmm. Um, So we'll get to that in the emergency meeting. Um, I just wanted to bring up also before we get going that Bob has a very sad story to tell us about a word. Um, <laughs> he's we've been consoling Bob before. Before I don't know if you, Bob, you don't have to go into the details. Mate. It might be too painful for you, but Bob has been saying <laughs> a specific word for a very long time, and then found out that the word is spelt differently. Yes, and the word thanks to uh, Nurse Ducks on my Patreon page who finally called me out on this. I've been using the word brinksmanship like since blogosphere 1.0, since the George W. Bush administration, practically. I know certainly since the first term of the Obama administration when the debt ceiling really hit the fan. But uh, (laughs) I was corrected. It's not brinksmanship. It's brinkmanship. I had no idea. And and the reason I had no idea is many other reputable sources have used brinksmanship. I did a quick search, as we all do when we're called out on something like this. I'm like, how did I get this in my head that it's actually brinksman, that it's brinkmanship, not brinksmanship? And I went and did a Google search and discovered, oh, yeah, it's all over the place. Washington Post is using it. Think tanks are using it. CNN is using it. Uh, other papers of record are using it. Uh, official policy papers use the word brinksmanship. So what I determined was, oh, okay, so there's sort of an informal way to use it that's more commonly used, I think, among commentators and journalists, and then there's the proper way to use it. Uh, the obvious correct term is brinkmanship. But as we know, with the English language and all the screwy things about the English language, a lot of, you know, professional writers who have been doing this for a long, long time have used the uh, the incorrect, the quote unquote incorrect version of the word. So that's that's my uh, uh, grammar uh, pain for the week. Yeah. Both of the, both ways of spelling it show up as correct in Grammarly, which is like one yes. of the main order of spelling uh, spell checks. Yeah, that, uh, and Mary Webster has it listed under brinkmanship. It says that brinksmanship is the less commonly used form, although I've only ever seen brinksmanship. Yeah, I was not I aware mean, of it not having a second S. Rachel Maddow, Keith Olbermann, Chris Hayes. You're Lawrence shaming all these people, Bob. You're just shaming all these people for not having a... <laughs> That's it. We're kicking off brinksmanship. I'm deferring today. blame is what I'm doing, Ben. Deferring blame, yeah. Just, just own it, Bob. Just own it. You messed up, man. You, 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 just, you, you know what I mean? You're basically a pleb. Um, this is how I, uh, 
<laughs> how I view Americans as well with what they do, what they've done to the English language. Oh God. Uh, oh God. You know, and I, I have my own grammar Nazi things. Like one of the things that I can't stand about, and this is just regular people using this all the time. I see this on reality television too, quite hmm. a bit. The phrase your guises, like your guys's house is really, really nice. Like, why are you doing? No, no, no. Your, your guises? What is that? It's like, it's what I'm trying to say here is they're kind of botching the phrase your guys is. Like, they're turning you guys into a possessive, like possessive plural form. And it just, it's horrendous sometimes yes. what we do to the English language. Yeah. We just have a hard time with things like that, I guess. Take aluminium, for example. <laughs> yeah. Right? It's <laughs> aluminium, guys. I hate I hate to break it to Americans. It's not aluminum. It's aluminium. Right? <laughs> Please get this right. I'm just asking all of our American listeners, which is like 95% of everyone. Um Please don't hate me, but it's aluminium. Just call it aluminium. It's how it's spelled. I'm sorry. I'm not taking English lessons from people who call uh, the trunk of a car a boot. So. It is a boot. It's a boot. No, a boot goes on your feet. It's a rubbish truck. It's a rubbish truck. And I put my trousers on this morning. A rubbish truck. Yeah, you know, rubbish is used uh, instead of trash in Hawaii. Just wanted to mention yeah, that. Good, so good, for five yeah. years of my life, I did refer to a trash can as a rubbish bin or a rubbish can. Oh, yeah. I'm glad to see. I'm glad to see they. You know, they've they've taken <laughs> the time to respect the, the the correct terminology as it should be. It should be a rubbish bin. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking. Now that we covered the linguistics portion of today's show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, to all American listeners, I please don't take me seriously. I'm just <laughs> kidding. I'm kidding with you guys. Like, I don't want you to think of me as a whole British snob because I do. There are some, like, I got to say, like, Brits in America are real wankers. They really are. Uh, I love you guys. Don't worry about it. You can call it aluminum for all I care. It's just wrong. Um, anyway, so look, let's move on. Um, George Santos, right? Let's get this out of the way because we didn't discuss it last week. Uh, George Santos, this is one of the most bonkers stories that I've come across, right? And in, in, yeah. in, in the stories of bonkers Republican lunacy, this is one of them, right? It is a little timeline of, of, of our pal um, representative, George Santos, right? This is from NBC News. Uh, here we are, an accusation that Representative George Santos scammed $3,000 from a GoFundMe campaign for a disabled veteran's dying service dog and new immigration documents showing his mother was not in New York on 9-11, as he claimed, are just the latest developments in embroiling him in scandal, right? So Santos has become a household name because of the controversy surrounding in a short time, his short time in office so far. He admitted he embellished his resume where he attended college and his professional background to his Jewish heritage, but says that he has not committed any crimes and that he has no plans to step down. Um, the, it, the amount of bullshit this guy has said, right, it's not necessarily the fact that he's lied so much, right? It's the fact that this mm -hmm. is, like, unsurprising now for Republicans, that you can just say this stuff, get elected, and no one really cares, right? I don't know. This yeah. is... This is a lot more than even the typical Republican lies. This is like, oh, this is like even this is a whole new level, even for Republicans. Like Donald Trump lied, but he lied in like super obvious ways that everyone knew he was lying. And they were still like, oh, we know he's lying because he's Trump. And that was disturbing. This is right. something else completely. This is like his entire life is fiction. Right. And now we're all finding out about it. And Republicans are still saying. Eh, we're okay with it, which is another whole level of disturbing. It's like, are you serious? Like, he could be a serial killer, and you guys are still going to say you're okay with it because you need that vote in Congress. What's wrong with you? He was saying his, he was on his campaign website, claimed, uh, claimed that his grandparents fled persecution in Ukraine, um, <laughs> settled in Belgium, and again fled persecution during World War II. Yeah, uh, he's such what? a scumbag. Well, he I was mean, appealing to the Jewish constituents in Long Island, right? And then, and then now he, um, 
what, what's the latest thing that he was a drag queen, right? A, probably like a pro drag queen. That's what he yeah, did. Yeah, like this was he was like a legit drag queen with a name and everything, like right. a serious one. Not like uh, we were just discussing this before the show. He wasn't like at a Halloween party, which is like you know what? It's at a party. You do stuff like that. That's fine. This, well, not that this isn't fine, but we're not talking like a casual something he did on a lark for like a day. This is like. He was a professional drag queen for a while. Yeah. Um, they, hold on. Last week, Brazilian drag artist Eula Rochard posted an image on Facebook and Instagram. This is from the NBC News um, of herself with a person wearing a red feathery dress, bright red lipstick and dangling chandelier earrings. Um, earrings. Rochard, who is identified as Eula Rochard. I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing this in the photo, claims the other person in drag went by the stage name Katara Ravash and is, in fact, Santos. It's an awesome and, name. I, oh, I will yeah. say this. As far as uh, names go, what is it? Yeah, Katara Yavash? Something. Yeah, it's R A V A C H E. Okay, so that, that's that's, that's a, a drag queen name. name. That's a drag yeah. queen name. I'm and sure the guy was like a great a drag queen. Outfit. This was I'm not sure a casual was... outfit. This was like a serious outfit. Yeah, I'm sure he was a great drag queen. I mean, you know, good for him. I got. I... Fine, but <laughs> why pretend that you weren't? Like he's he's now saying he wasn't, right? He was he's claiming what he was, he claims he wasn't, and what he and what he isn't, he claims he is, if that makes sense, right? That what who is this guy? That's what I want to know. Like, who is he? And and how dangerous is this? Because this guy now is gonna be on committees, right? He's been appointed to several committees, as I understand it. Like this is quite I, actually it's funny, but it's not funny. And, you know, the drag queen thing, the hypocrisy there is immensely frustrating, given how Republicans are using drag shows as uh, a a way to normalize political terrorism. Of course, Uh, yeah. Yeah, and now one of their own. And, and in fact, I'm hoping that the fact that George Santos uh, is a cross-dresser, it seems like that could possibly rabbit season, duck season, a few Republicans into actually supporting uh, drag shows or but, just finally saying no we yeah can't exactly but it's the other thing is the other. they can't do both and this is where i think george santos becomes problematic and and seriously problematic whereas before with the myriad lies i really wasn't paying as much attention to it yeah breaking news republicans lie incessantly we just got done with a president who lied thirty thousand times during the course of his presidency but with George Santos, the two things I think the bridge too far are lying about 9-11 and his mom, yeah. when in fact his mom was never even in the country from 1999 to 2003. Nowhere near uh, lower Manhattan. Uh, so certainly nowhere near the Pentagon or <laughs> Flight 93, which is obvious. Uh, but, and the other thing is the... Um, Oh, what am I thinking of here? I just, there's just so many lies. There's so many things. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Stealing money from a disabled veteran and the veteran's service dog. These are a couple it, I, of things that I think will actually convince Republicans that he needs to go. Yeah. Because, And I'm not talking about all Republicans. I'm not talking about Kevin McCarthy specifically or Jim Jordan or Marjorie Taylor Greene. I'm talking about maybe some blue state Republicans may start to support the concept of booting this guy and taking their chances in a uh, special election uh, just to, and on the other hand, I think Republican leadership would be fine having another rodeo clown to distract from what they're doing, what they're really doing, what they really want to do. Mm. But uh, I, I do believe that Republicans love dogs. <laughs> I think Republicans love veterans and they love dogs. And that's a couple of things that I think cross ideological boundaries, cross uh, political parties. And so in that respect, stealing money from a disabled veteran and, and because of it, that disabled veteran's service dog died. Oh, wow. uh, that that's may be one of the things. And, and in fact, last night, I think uh, we noticed that uh, George Santos's profile was removed from the NRCC website. Really? So, the yeah. he's in there, <laughs> so he's, that could be a sign. It could be, be nothing. Touchdown. I don't know. But uh, I think these are the two things. The 9-11 thing, the disabled veteran thing. Uh, these are the things that might uh, be the straws that break the camel's back, so to speak. 
Well, I mean, he's just going to be used as a cudgel. Like the same way, the same way Republicans use AOC, except when they use AOC against Democrats, they're lying through their teeth, right? They, they, just, yeah. they just make up crap about AOC and they use her as a cudgel against Democrats because she's a woman of color. And of course, that's like, that just triggers the right. She's just like, uh, you know, they just invoke her as a, you know, like a mythical demon against all Democrats. But they're gonna, the Democrats are going to start using George Santos against Republicans, except everything they say is going to be actually true. It's like this guy murdered the dog of a of an injured vet of an injured veteran. This guy lied about his mother dying at um nine eleven. It's it's a way of stealing valor in in a sense. He's literally a drag yeah. queen, and you guys are screaming about how drag queens are groomers and dangerous pedophiles. How you know it's it's just going to be a constant. Every time they open their mouths, sooner or later people are going to start saying, "Yeah, but what about George Santos?" And sooner or later, Republicans are going to get tired of it because they can't, they can't, they have to answer for it. They can't just say, well, that's not my problem. It's like, he's in your party and you won't kick him out. Yes, he is. I'm a lot more cynical than you guys. I think they probably, I don't know, I, I say he probably survives this. I mean, maybe he won't. But I, I, uh, I think the Trump effect has now been that, you know, the pot, they just don't care anymore. Uh, they really don't. And yeah. um, if he get if you know if he's on a committee mm-hmm. or if he, if he gives them a vote, if he votes the way that they want him to vote, you know that's what it's about, right? It's power. Um, and the GOP is interested in. I've I've long I, over over many years of observing American politics and observing the Republican Party. Um, I I feel like I've got a fairly my take on it on their politicking on how they move is very cynical in that. Everything is about short-term power. How do we get more votes now? How do we fuck things up right now? Um, they're not really interested in long-term. Uh, they have no long-term strategy. It's all about power right now. Uh, and I think that this, you know, Trump was the sort of ultimate example of this. He was the definition of every short-term, own the libs right now, smash everything, break everything, don't worry about what happens tomorrow because somebody else is going to fix it. You know, the 24-hour news cycle. So that's what I think. I think they don't really care. I don't, I think they just, he's he's just, you know, he's kind of annoying, but so what? Liberals, you know, liberals cry about stuff all the time. Um, that's their, so I think that's their reasoning. So it's just another thing for them to cry about and we can use it in the culture wars and he'll vote for us. He'll vote the way we want him to vote. That's my take. You know, there's no ethical boundaries anymore. There aren't any. Like Trump, proved it you know they they love veterans until he's like trump's insulting dead veterans you know he insult he literally insulted uh the family of of, of like a dead veteran he, you know yeah but they really the needed trump they don't really need george santos i mean they kind of need him but they don't need him as much as they needed trump and they know this guy's going to jail like he's got investigation to him and he's like a super super shady sneaky thiefy type guy and they they they, they have to know it's like they're gonna find something now that they're looking into him, they're definitely going to find something, and he's not going to be nearly as well protected as Trump was. Maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. I don't know. I feel like you have, uh, you know, anytime you, you, there's an ethical dimension saying, well, there's an ethical, there are ethical considerations. I think, okay, yeah, they they don't give a shit about any of that stuff. Like, well, not really even ethical. Care. Just it's like you know what? It's just a public relations disaster, and we don't need this headache. Fuck him. Possibly. He's not important enough. Needless to say, it's an extraordinary story. It really is. Uh, Well, and the the worst thing about it is that for GOP politics, it's not extraordinary. This is to be expected. This is the sort. This is the culture of the party they've created, where any grifter can get, you know, become a congressman, or you know, anyone can anyone can uh, become a politician, a GOP politician. You can just, you know. Just lie enough. Yeah, lie enough. You'll get power. Uh, You'll probably get a book deal out of it too. So. so there you go. There's our George Santos discussion. Uh, moving on to more serious topics, the debt ceiling. Both you you guys covered this um, topic this week. Obviously, it's very serious. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is bad news for you, Ben. Usually, Bob's the one to talk you off the ledge, and I'm the one that doesn't. <laughs> so yeah, I, it's really, this is really not going to be a fun discussion for you. So I have to we'll say, close your you window. Know- I've, I've been trying to be more optimistic with my point of view over the past year or so. Uh, this one, I, I'm having trouble finding the optimism because optimism in this case relies on the Republicans uh, having their bluff called. Yeah. And 
I don't know that they're necessarily bluffing. I think what they want to do is I think they literally want to precipitate an economic meltdown because people will blame the party in power. People mm-hmm. blame the, the Democrats and especially the Biden White House. You crash in this year and you blame you blame the Democrats next year for the flaming wreckage that you caused. That's, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. And uh, oddly enough, well, not oddly enough, in fact, predictably, uh, a lot of people in the traditional press will also blame the Democrats or at least yeah. defer sides. a lot of the Republican blame over to the Democrats and say, well, you know, they could have cut entitlements. Joe Biden could have cut Social Security a little bit. He could have done something. He didn't do anything. Well, well, they'll just say, why didn't both sides come to an agreement? Exactly right. Exactly right. And and there's this idea among the sort of centrist press, I don't know, like the, the inside D.C. cocktail party circuit, that Social Security is going bankrupt. And unless we do something now to cut benefits, then it's not going to be around in five days or whatever it happens to be at this point. You know, as long as I've been covering politics, Social Security was doomed. <laughs> it's like, and they, and yes, it has to it's go bankrupt any second now. And here we are. It's 2023 and Social Security is still around. People are still receiving their benefits. In fact, they're receiving increased benefits this year. Right. All right. So just to, just to rewind for a second for, for our listeners who aren't quite sure what we're talking about. Republicans, <laughs> Sorry, Republicans I go right to the, are- the bad news. Yeah, Republicans Shit. are planning on holding the debt ceiling hostage unless Democrats agree to cut Medicare and Social Security and, and pretty much everything under the sun. They want to force a balanced budget amendment for the next 10 years, stuff like that, stuff that they know Democrats will never, ever agree to. And, and like as Bob wrote in his article, even if Democrats were to agree all of it or to all of it, they will almost certainly just add more stuff to their list of you have to do this now. Oh, you gave me everything I wanted. Well, here's another 10 impossible things you have to do before Monday morning. You have to give all of these things to me or we're going to crash the debt ceiling. And if they if they keep giving it to them, they'll just keep adding stuff to it because yes. the, the point is not actually to get the things on their list. The point is to crash the debt ceiling. And the debt ceiling is the government has to borrow money in order to pay the bills it's already incurred. Okay, this is this is not stuff that we want to do later, right? That's like that's the spending bill. That's a spending bill we just passed this past um um what was it? October no, December. I'm sorry. In December. That's the bill for stuff that we want to do. The debt ceiling is stuff that we already got and we already did, and we want to pay, continue paying for because we spend more money than we actually generate as a country, right? That's the debt, debt and deficit. That's what we spend more than we take in. So we have to borrow that money. We sell, you know, government bonds, blah, blah, blah. People give us money. We tell, we give them an IOU. It's the most secure IOU on the planet in the history of the world, which is why everyone is always willing to give us money because we've never, ever not paid that money back. Never has that ever happened, right? So it's always safe. It's always secure, no -hmm. matter what else is going on. That's why people are always willing to give us money. That's why we can run up as such a huge debt, because it's always safe to give us money. That's the point here. So if we breach the debt ceiling and we can no longer pay back that debt, now it's shaken the world's faith in our credit which is a reason yeah. it's in the constitution that it shall our, our fate, our, um, the credit shall not be um, called into doubt, right? It's literally in the constitution. And that's what Republicans are trying to do. They want to make everyone doubt our credit, our, our ability to pay back money. And that's what they're trying to do. And that will immediately throw our economy into the worst recession the, that we've ever seen. And I'm talking about within weeks, our economy will just go, It'll make the 2008-2009 recession look like the good old days of, oh, man, wow, this is just a mild downturn. We would, we would pray for that kind of recession compared to what they'll do with uh, breaching the debt ceiling. And that'll take the rest of the world with us. And that's what Republicans want to do because they need to do it. So I, every other time they've threatened this, I haven't been super concerned. I've been worried that they'll do it by accident. 
Now I'm very concerned they're going to do it extremely much on purpose. And, and here's the other thing, too. Uh, if America's credit rating gets shot because we default on paying our debts, uh, the problem there is the economic calamity that will be precipitated out of that. We won't be able to do anything about it. Usually what happens is when there's a big economic downturn, the government is capable of stepping in and infusing the economy with mountains of cash. We saw it with TARP. We saw it with the American Recovery Act in 2009. We saw it with the second TARP, so on. Every time there's a recession, oftentimes you have a stimulus package that then yanks us out of that recession. When consumers, when businesses aren't pumping money into the economy, the government can step in because, quite frankly, the government can print money if it needs to. And so right. in that's, that regard, that's the lender it's, of last resort. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's a safety lender net. of last resort. But how do you do that if your credit rating is shot? Where is the United States going to get the money to yank us out of that financial calamity? It's uh, the possibilities here are uh, terrifying to me. And again, I, I wish I wasn't thinking along these lines, but watching the way the Rodeo Clown Caucus held the rest of the House Republicans hostage over Kevin McCarthy. Now imagine what will happen with the House Republicans when the enemy is Joe Biden and the possibility of sabotaging the Biden administration, sabotaging congressional Democrats by bringing about this economic crash and knowing that a considerable part of the press will at least halfway blame the Democrats for it, right. which is enough, which is enough to hear, for example, Joe Scarborough in the morning on MSNBC say, well, you know, Joe Biden could have cut something. It's better than this calamity. It's not like, realizing uh, that, as you said, Justin, your children, why didn't you give them something? Yeah, exactly. And, and as you were saying, Joe Biden could agree to completely eliminate Social Security today. You could say, OK, you know what? I'm not going to deal with this brinkmanship. I'm going to eliminate Social Security as a program. It goes away now. Uh, even if that were to happen. The congressional Republicans would say not good enough. You also have to kill Medicare. You have to kill Medicaid. You have to kill the EPA. Oh, and by the way, now that you've done all of those things, too, you have to defund the FBI. You have to fire Jack Smith. You know, the, the list goes on and on and on. They'll never be satisfied. It's like Matt Gates in the middle of the night on after the 14th vote, refusing to uh, elect Kevin McCarthy, cast his ballot in a way that would uh, elect Kevin McCarthy. <laughs> It's going to be the same shit because they know that it's not about policy. It's not about uh, the specific terms of the debt ceiling. It's all about owning the libs. It's all about the cruelty because they have created this media infrastructure wherein they can create whatever reality they want to create. And 74 million American voters will go along with that. And that's what's uh, uh, throwing me off balance with this. Right. I mean, obviously, every time the debt ceiling has come up, they've been able to resolve it. And, and things have kind of worked out. But we're in a new paradigm. We're in the post-Trump paradigm yeah. where right. and, the and, fuckery and, is the point. You know what I mean? Right. And on top of that, they're looking at next year where it's a presidential election and all they have is Trump and DeSantis. They don't have anybody else on the bench right now. Like they, they, everyone else they have is like a distant, distant third. Mm. And Trump is just he's he's lost his mojo. Right. He, I mean, he's just tired and the Adderall's wearing off. I guess it's just, you know, so we can only take so much of it. And he's kind of boring and no one cares. And there's a good chance he'll either be in jail or he'll have fled the country. And DeSantis, we've discussed this before. He plays really well in Florida. But he's short and he's whiny and he's not good outside of his media bubble. And there's a good chance he'll just get eaten alive out on a national stage. So where and if you have those two guys as your front runners, and that's assuming Trump doesn't destroy him in the first place and then proceed to go get blown out of the water by Biden, the incumbent. Right. So if you have a good economy. If you have a strong economy, right, because now we're recession, I'm sorry, um, in, inflation's going down, jobs are still going good, 
the economy doesn't look like it's going to fall into a recession on its own. If you're going into 2024 with a decent economy, Republicans really don't have anything except the personality and strength of Trump, which is like, yeah, OK, good luck with that. Mm. They know they're facing a disaster in 2024. So what do you do? You blow up the economy and then you say, oh, my God, look what happened, because they know people are going to blame the party in power. And that's uh, that's like that gives them a huge amount of incentive to actually do it this time. So, what do the what do the Democrats do? What's their what? How do they? Because they, you, Bob, like your to your point, right? They're right that they if mm-hmm. you give them an inch, they'll take you know a thousand miles, right? Is that the play that you just basically don't give them anything and you force them to own it because that's what they've done before, right? Every time they've done this this game. Um, Democrats have called their bluff and they they relent. Yeah, um, I think that- the only way out of this for Democrats is one to hope that the Republicans are bluffing and at the last second will do what they need to do for the sake of the global economy. Knowing mm. also, by the way, that Republicans are funded by Wall Street and corporations that need the economy to be robust. Right. So that may be why Enough. the Republicans eventually relent, because that may be more important to them than owning the libs. Uh, but that's that's a big if. Uh, the other thing is, too, yeah. the, the messaging has to begin now. We're talking about a process that will take us through probably around June. That's when emergency measures will expire, according to Janet Yellen. So mm. between now and June, to me, it's got to be it's got to be one of the the strongest messages projected by the national Democrats that we have seen in a long time. Mm. It's got to be 100% putting this in the ballpark of the Republicans, making sure that swing voters and independent voters know that this was the Republicans doing from the beginning, that when there's a Republican president, the Republicans always raise the debt ceiling. But suddenly there's a Democratic president. Why? Why is it suddenly now a problem? When, in fact, this Democratic president has presided over a significant reduction in the federal budget deficit. Was it $1.4 I mean, Yeah, he reduced it from $2.8 to $1.4 I mean, it's still a lot, but that will certainly help the status of the national debt. There also needs to be, and I know this is a loaded statement, but there needs to be a lot more education as to what the debt ceiling actually is, what the national debt is. Because as we've all run into when this topic comes up, when the topic of uh, fiscal responsibility comes up, a lot of people and even some people in the press, some people on cable news don't understand the difference between the national debt and the budget deficit. They combine the two things. Mitt Romney famously combined the two things in 2012, confusing people, maybe deliberately so. So th- these are all things. This is oh, where no, I think deliberate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The advances that the re- Democrats have made with messaging and party cohesion, I think, can benefit this battle. They just have to make sure that uh, they're putting some elbow grease behind it. The Republicans can't be allowed to get to June with a significant part of American voters going, oh, yeah, it's the Democrats' fault, too. I mean, they they could do something, too. I mean, this out-of-control spending that doesn't really exist. <laughs> so, yeah, we get down to messaging again, isn't it? Right. <clears throat> so. So, I mean, and, and, and still not give them anything. That's your... That's your view is to not, not give a them thing. a damn, not a damn no, thing. No, no, because a, it'll never be enough. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. Like, well, I hope you are right. I hope that that, that um, they're going to relent. I My sense is that they probably will, given the financial uh, implications and given who, you know, the Republican Party is still controlled by, you know, unfathomably rich donors and they have a lot of, a lot of money to lose, you know, um, so let's hope that, you know, the money talks because ultimately, you know, the, they go down too. if they blow up the economy, they also go down too. And these I, I think that at least the Taliban 20, the uh, Freedom Caucus, they are, you know, they like money just as much as everybody else does. Right. So that they're not going to want to put themselves in any, um, you know, 
economic financial hardship one hopes but yeah i hope you guys are right i hope that you did some fantastic pieces this week on it um i urge everybody listening to read both justin and bob your pieces they were uh, really good very informative uh, justin you've got another piece next week on it right yeah. how to prepare how to get ready for it because it's going to if they do it it's going to be ugly and even if they don't do it they're still going to do a government shutdown in um in october yeah. So that's something you also have to get ready for if you work for the government or you tangentially work for the government. So, so look look forward to that, everybody. Um let's move on to <laughs> the, the, the next topic. This is this so this was my piece this week. I did I did a piece about the uh this took me quite a long time to, to do this about the anti vax conspiracy theories that are now basically every time I go onto to Twitter, that's mostly what I see now is anti vax nonsense uh and also it went um this is elon musk you know twi- unleashed twitter uh is uh, you know they had that twitter files dumped with alex berenson who is you know the least reliable source on vaccines ever um outside of QAnon, that is he, the guy is a complete fraud uh, but he also turns out to be one of the top paid substack uh, writers, so he, uh, he, I think he's number seven. I think in terms of how much he's bringing in. This guy is bringing in probably half a million a month, peddling anti vax conspiracy theories on Substack. That's just amazing. It pays right? to be an asshole. Yeah, it really does. It really does. So this kind, it kind of got it was kind of depressing to see now what's happened. I think that this, I, I squarely blame Elon Musk for this. I really do. I think he's the progenitor for all of this stuff, that these people are building names and brands for themselves on Twitter. Uh, then they take that following and then they can now monetize it freely on Substack. The ethics of which I'm still undecided, right? Like I don't know whether publishing platforms should be in the business of censoring people. Um, obviously there are limits to, to that. Like um, I asked Substack about Alex Jones for example, would they platform Alex Jones? And they didn't say directly that they wouldn't, but according to their terms of service, it looks like they would, you know, if you read the fine print. But when it comes to anti-vax stuff, yeah, there's, they're making an absolute fortune off of, off of Substack. You've got and that's Dr. just attacking. Jo- yeah, Dr. Joseph Merkler is doing it as well. So, so my argument on this is that as long as Substack isn't, doesn't become a social media network, and they're not promoting things algorithmically. Um, I guess you could you can make the argument as to why they you know they they're going to keep out of this one. But there's a fine line, right? You can use Substack as a social media network to a certain degree, um, and I think it's pretty dangerous. And I've just noticed on 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 I, I, again, Twitter for me is the real culprit here. That you know this whole Twitter files nonsense with. The last one, um, Musk released a file to Alex Berenson again, who is a guy who is has was dubbed by the Atlantic as the pandemic's wrongest man. It was in a complete inability to read data or analyze data or even understand what the study was saying. Right, he drew the complete like there was a Israeli study that he drew the completely the opposite conclusion of the study. The study said that people with who weren't faxed were dying at a higher rate. And he said the exact opposite. So the Atlantic found a translator to translate the piece, to translate the study. And the translator said, yeah, so what he's saying is the exact opposite of what the study shows. And I'm sure he's completely unashamed of that. No, he doesn't. No, he doesn't care. He doesn't care. He's making, I mean, why would you, if you're making, if you're making so much money peddling anti-vax bullshit to people? I mean, look, like the date, what we know about vaccines changes over time. What we know about the efficacy of the COVID vaccines is not what, you know, you know the, we now know that um, in terms of reducing transmission, vaccines aren't quite as effective as uh, reducing transmission as we once thought, right? That's fine. That's new data. That's new studies. But it still reduces transmission, yeah, just not right. as well as we wanted it to. As right, opposed to right. not using it at all, which doesn't reduce, which doesn't help reduce transmission. Right, right, exactly. So, I mean, look, we can go into the vaccine stuff. It's incredibly complicated, and public health officials are recommending people get vaccinated for a good reason because overall, it does reduce transmission. It reduces, you know, people. 
you know, not clogging up the emergency rooms anymore. Like essentially, you know, we've got the pandemic under control because of vaccines. Um, and now on Twitter, basically it's anti-vax sort of mania over there. They're taking victory laps and showing that these new studies say that they were right all along. Apparently ivermectin still works. Um, it's absolute madness. And, and it's kind of freaked me out. And I, I, you know, I wrote this this piece, this huge piece on it, and I, I feel like we we are the more responsible you are about this kind of information, the more cautious you are about drawing conclusions from, you know, massive amounts of scientific data, the less popular you become, right? Well, you're not telling them people. You're not telling people what they want to hear. They want to hear that. The, va- the, the pandemic's over. You don't have to worry about vaccines. You don't have to wear masks, and you can go out and to, to uh, you know bars and restaurants, and you don't have to worry about anything. That's what they want to hear. Right, right, and and but it also the, the, there's the sort of conspiratorial side of things too, right? Where where um, it just sounds a lot, you know, more fun, right? It sounds a lot more convenient that you know Dr. Fauci is this evil sort of criminal and. Um, you know, Bill Gates and 5G and it's just a massive grift. It's a massive industry. Like you had Russell Brand um, is in on this stuff too. Oh, I'm just asking questions. I'm just asking questions about well, I know, Fauci. I, I know Twitter is, I know they tweaked the algorithm to push more of it because like, you know, like generally speaking, the more you engage, because Musk has been bragging about that, right? The more you engage with something, even if it's to be angry at it, the more you're going to get it on your timeline, mm. which I get, right? Because that's kind of how it works. If you engage with it, it's going to give you more of that. So you engage with it. I don't engage with anti-vaxxer stuff. I mm. ignore it. I just pass right by it. As soon as I see something about vaccines, I just skip over it or mm. I click, you know, I don't want to see this anymore. That's my, that's the extent of my engagement is, I don't want to see this anymore, but I keep getting more and more of it. Like I don't, I don't um, retweet it and complain about it. Like very infrequently will I even say anything at all about an anti-vaxxer. I always pass it, click, don't show this to me again. And I just keep going about my business and I keep getting more and more of it, which means it's being directed towards me by an algorithm that is ignoring what I'm telling it. And I'm telling it, don't show this to me, and it's still showing it to me. Right. So that's something someone decided. Um, this algorithm's going to prioritize anti-vax shit all over the fucking place. And the fact that Elon Musk picked a notorious anti-vaxer to do one of his stupid Twitter files drops tells you everything you need to know about why that's happening. So Elon Musk can go fuck himself. All right. And what I, what I also want to know is where is Barry Weiss and where is Matt Tybee on this? Right. Oh, they already got their paycheck. They don't give a shit now. They right. They're where, not going to speak out. Where are they? That's what I, I want to see a Twitter files dump on this, right? I want to see, um, I want to see what Matt Tyreby thinks about uh, Musk giving over these highly sensitive files um, to one of the most notorious anti-vax grifters in America, in the world. Brave right? Truth Speaking is only a title they use when they're talking about Democrats. Crickets. Crickets. That's how it goes. <laughs> Absolutely nothing. He will not say a damn word. Instead, he's out there. He He's... Tybee is. I'm writing a piece about this for next week, by the way. So this is why it's got me Ooh, that's really that's irate. Be fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going after Tybee big time because he's basically showing he's showing the world how you don't do journalism, right? This is exactly how you don't do journalism. The, the way in that he's released these files, he's adding context that he's basically spinning. He had another Twitter files release. I'll get into that next week, but it, it was the, the the spin that he gives is is antithetical to to, to journalism. Right, he has a preconceived narrative, and he adds context that he thinks is uh, that, that bolsters his case, um, and doesn't look at the you know other mitigating factors. So he's and at now at the point in his career where he's he's promoting the work of rabid conspiracy theorists, climate change deniers, anti-vax lunatics. Right, this is the bed that he's made for himself. It's it's I find it so sad. Barry Weiss too. They've said nothing. 
they've said absolutely nothing about this 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 lunacy not a not a word about about elon musk and the toxic effect he's having on society uh and on his new twitter it's all about you know the evil democrats and the fact that like a pfizer executive a pfizer executive um was in contact with twitter uh pointing out that a certain study was wrong or something like that right and it turned out like the pfizer guy was right so anyway, apparently that's huge, huge news. But I'm going to go into that next week. But it's it's got me very depressed. Now I'd like everyone to read that my piece. It's free for everyone as well. Um, so please check it out. It, it, it's it goes into detail about how much of a grift this stuff is and and the dangerous situation that we're in. We really are in a very dangerous situation where responsible media outlets. I like to think of ourselves as as as, as responsible. We're in a we're, we're on the flipping titanic with teaspoons bailing out the water mm-hmm. right that, that yeah. that's that's how that's how bad it is right that the disinformation is now so rampant so widespread and so easy to um proliferate on twitter uh, and on substack and other places that i don't know how we combat this anymore i really don't um i mean we're gonna do our best, <laughs> yeah, gonna do our best. the thing that bugs me is that when when covid finally you know, becomes something in the background, right? Becomes it, it finally dies down and becomes like a yearly, just a yearly flu-like thing where it's just, you know, it's not, it never becomes a serious, uh, you know, outbreak again. It just, you know, just cycles through every year, just like every other respiratory disease is that these people are going to do everything possible to disappear the one plus million Americans that died because of their bullshit. They're right. just going to make it vanish like it never happened. It's just like, oh, see, COVID was no big deal. I don't even know why we had to do all that stuff. It's like over a million people died. Go fuck yourself. And they're just mm. going to just repeat it over and over and over that it was no big deal. We should never have done what we did, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And they're just going to vanish. Over a million people died and they're just going to be wiped away. And it's yeah, just and horrific. I think Sam Harris had a really good point about this. Sam Harris made the point that um, if the people who died had been children, you would not have seen this anti-vax hysteria. You would not, but the, the fact that it was mostly old people, uh, what essentially gave like, you know, people don't care about old people. Yeah, there's a country that does not care about it. Doesn't give, it doesn't care about old people at all. So, in a way, these anti-vaxxers. You know, imagine if it were children, they wouldn't have say a goddamn word about mRNA vaccines. They would say absolutely nothing if it saved lives, which it does. It saves lives. It just saves lives of people they view as inconsequential. Weirdly, given it's their base, you know, most of the people like, you know, you could see a lot of the people who died of COVID. Um, I covered this in my article that there was a direct link between COVID misinformation coming out of places like you know, Fox News and um, AM Hate Radio that uh, you could chart the the where the disease spread, right? I mean, there were Republicans who were dying and still, ref- they, they were posting on Facebook saying, they say I've got COVID, but I don't believe it. Like, you know, drowning in their own fluid. Yeah, and I know, like they would crazy. say, they said right before, like up until the midterms, twice as many Republicans were dying than Democrats. And, you know, I, I know you're not supposed to speak ill of the dead, but I just don't care. I'm perfectly, if it comes, if it turns into three or four times as many Republicans, then go for it. Let them keep killing themselves at a higher and higher rate. I'm perfect. I know that's cynical and I know that's not very nice, but these are bad people. These are Mm. bad people promising to do terrible things. And if they want to commit suicide for their ideology, uh, let them. Yeah, I mean it's a, it's a, just a ter- it's a really sad state of affairs. And, and anyway, look, I'd, I'd love for people to check out my my piece and, and and let me know what you think. Had some really good feedback from that as well. Some emails, some nice, very nice emails from people as well about it. So I appreciate that. Um, look, let's move on to the next topic. Um, that's Elon Musk Twitter. Basically, just a quick point. I want to stick um, to this to the script this week because we messed up <laughs> last week. Just quickly. Twitter is losing a ludicrous amount of money. Um, apparently, according to Twitter manager, this is on the information.com, Twitter manager, daily revenue has dropped 40%. Uh, 500 top advertisers have left. This is all of this. To, Musk has tanked the, tanked the Tesla stock. 
He's also basically probably destroyed Twitter to the point of no return. It's running on on, on empty right now, uh, and and advertisers don't want to go anywhere near it. So, and he's done all of this. Just remember to own the libs. That's why he's done this. He's bought Twitter to own the libs and spread. He wiped out over a trillion dollars in Tesla stock. He's lost $200 billion of his own money, I think it is. Just so he can own the libs. It's, it's insane. It really is. So, and it's, it's like an addict. He has a, he's addicted to Twitter, right? He's addicted to this social media platform and it's destroying him. Do you, do you feel owned, Ben? How about, oh, how about you, Bob? <laughs> do you yeah. feel owned? I, I feel owned. I feel so owned. I'm so owned. The collapse of Elon Musk. I mean, he set a record, what, for the most amount of money lost by a billionaire, something like that, <laughs> or right, by any incredible. human being. Is that what it is? Yeah, and he's completely destroyed his uh, reputation as a genius forever. So it's like, oh, mm-hmm. no. Oh, stop. Stop the owning. <laughs> yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm so wounded. Yeah, he's really owned us. Um, yeah, anyway, I wanted to bring that up briefly because it is, it, I, I guess it shows the perils of social media that we're all, that we are all kind of subject to its algorithmic powers, right? We're all, uh, and Elon Musk is the prime example of, you know, he's, he's supposed to be this mythical, this billionaire genius, uh, savior of humanity. When it turns out he's basically just a little Twitter troll. Um, and he happens to have made you know a lot of money, so he's bought it now. He's bought his little his addiction. It's like he's bought a heroin factory, and he's just now shooting himself up from from you know a.m. until the evening, all night. He's out. He's tweeting at all hours because he can right. And he it's, can't it's, stop. It's, it, yeah, it's, he can't stop. He can't stop. His addiction is so bad. He bought the platform. He's 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 the he's the personification of that um that one comic strip is like oh someone on the internet is wrong yeah that's him <laughs> yeah that's him <laughs> I thought that was always me but it turns out it's Elon Musk yeah I mean look we all have that in us right we we're all we're, we're all human we all do this stuff you know I'm probably on Twitter more than I should be and you know get involved with, when people make stupid arguments I take it you know you get involved in these ridiculous debates that nobody wins basically and and no one's mind has changed either but i'm not going to spend you know 44 billion dollars on it or most of my net worth jesus i won't even spend 44 dollars <laughs> i'm not billion. giving him eight dollars either hey elon if you're listening which almost certainly you're not listening um but i'm not giving you eight bucks i'm not giving you eight bucks sorry not, not happening um, and I so will anyway. never, I will never follow anyone with that Twitter blue blue check. So if you've got one of those things and you want me to follow you, you're shit out of luck. Get rid of it. Stop paying him money. I'm not gonna, <laughs> not gonna support <laughs> right. that. Yeah. Right. I'm on Post. Uh, just a, a, a quick shout to Post News. That's where I'm spending a lot of time these days. That's I, I really enjoy that platform. Uh, thus far, it's probably one of the best ones. Long form content, um, really interesting people. That's where I am. I would please, you know, please come and follow me there. Um, it, it's worth it. Sign up for an account. Uh, it's, it's 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 an enjoyable social media network. Uh, so there you go. All right, I'm not being paid by them either. So they, so um, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Next, uh, we're on now our both sides segment. I think we've stuck to the script, right, guys? We've we've covered yeah, everything. Yes. We were of course, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, brilliant. All right. Justin, go. Okay, so um, Florida, uh, this is from the Washington Post. Florida rejects AP Black History class, saying it, quote, unquote, lacks educational value. Um, For our listeners who are not familiar with AP courses, uh, these are classes you can take in high school that if you pass it, if you pass the test at the end of the class with a high enough score, you get college credits. Right. So these are great classes for kids who want to get a jump on their college experience. Um, You can take a wide variety. I mean, you can take math, you can take biology, you can take history classes, you can take a whole bunch of different stuff. Um, So there's a college board and every now and then they'll put out like a new 
uh, a new class that they'll disseminate throughout the high schools to see, you know, how it is. And they'll tweak it a little bit, to, you know, for standards and whatnot. And the latest one, the newest one is this, you know, AP Black History class. Um, they're test running it in several states and about 40 different high schools. Um, I don't know if Florida actually has any schools that were supposed to try it, but whether, regardless of whether or not they are, they just said, no, we're not doing that because it significantly lacks educational value. Now, that's bullshit, right? Um, they said, uh, in its current form, the College Board's AP African American Studies course lacks educational value and is contrary to Florida law. If the course comes into compliance and incorporates historically accurate content, the department will be open to discussion. These people can go fuck themselves. When they say historically accurate content, what they mean is they need to whiten it up so it doesn't make them feel bad. Yep. They're so full of shit, it is unbelievable. And they, they know exactly what they're doing. They're just This is just straight out blatant racism someone said it on twitter they went from don't say gay to don't say black and that's exactly that they're just going to get worse and worse as long as ron DeSantis and his republicans are running that state it's just going to get worse and worse and worse and there's literally absolutely nothing like that on the left nothing even remotely like that on the left Banning books, banning classes. There we go. This is your modern Republican Party these days. Yep. You know, because um, they're the party of freedom and free speech. Of course. Um, Bob, your pick this week. You have an interesting one, right? Yeah, well, it's usually we pick Republicans to show, for example, they, uh, they're they doing something vastly different from the Democrats so that there's not both sides. Well, I want to... Uh, make an example of the New York times here because the New York times did a both sides thing where, and this is regarding the debt ceiling, of course, and their breaking news yesterday when we hit the debt limit was breaking news. The U S has hit its debt limit, raising economic fears and setting the stage for months of entrenched partisan warfare. Holy Jesus. Indicating that, this is something that both the Republicans and Democrats are responsible for the partisan warfare. This, the accurate way to portray this is Republican sabotage. That's and 100% objectively what the Republicans are doing are sabotaging the economy. As I said at the top of the show, this is not a thing that uh, the Democrats tried to do to Donald Trump or anything along those lines is not usually when there's a Republican president, the Democrats don't hold the economy hostage. In oh, fact, wait, but there, there was, was a one government- time that Obama said something about that, but they didn't actually do it. He just said it. Right. That's what they're going to go back to. Yeah. And, and remember, too, that the second longest government shutdown. In fact, you know what? It's either the the most it's either the longest government shutdown or the second longest government shutdown was under Donald Trump. The and longest guess who was, was Trump. guess who was in, in charge of Congress? The Republicans were. Democrats had nothing to fucking do with it. <laughs> so, yeah, that was 2018, 2019 was the longest one. Yeah. That's, can't can't imagine why I know that. So regardless, this is not a fight that the Democrats are choosing. This is a Republican fight. The responsible thing is to just raise the debt limit, which is basically the equivalent of getting your credit card bill in the mail and having to pay, you know, at least the minimum payment. We have to make payments on our debt. Otherwise, our credit rating gets shot. Just like if you don't pay your credit card bill on time or ever, your credit rating goes into the crapper. This is not something that both sides have manufactured. That is bullshit. The only participation by the Democrats right now and on through June is going to be to protect the economy from a meltdown that's being precipitated by the Republicans. And if you want to term that as partisan warfare, as Justin likes to say, go fuck yourself. Well said. said, Yeah, this is, yeah, this is entirely the Republicans doing. So stop it. And, you know, going back, in fact, this also illustrates the fact that, Throughout the course of this debate, 
the press will take the posture and not all the press. I just want to make sure that that hashtag is there. Hashtag not all press, not all journalists, but many of them will say, why aren't the Democrats playing along? Why aren't the Democrats agreeing to some sort of spending cuts here? <sighs> oh, I'm sorry. Real quick. Remember, speaking of the New York Times, remember before you said that Biden and uh, had um, lowered the federal deficit by $1.4 trillion? Yes. The New York Times, when they posted that on Twitter, right? Breaking news, the federal deficit fell to $1.4 trillion, down from $2.6 trillion. They showed a picture of Kevin McCarthy and the fucking Republicans. Oh, God damn it. No, no, was, no, no, no. Was, See, that's all right. I know that was a week ago. We're we're beyond the we're we're in the post consistency, post hypocrisy era now. We're we're in the post facts era now. And the reality is that if you blame, and this is if the if facts really mattered, if consistency really mattered, if you blame Joe Biden, for example, for inflation and gas prices going up. You also have to give him credit when those things go down again. Exactly. If you blame him for out of control spending, then you have to give him credit when he reduces the deficit by one for one point four trillion dollars in one year. Yeah, and just That's to be just, clear, the way, now, yeah, I know all three of us. Yeah, all three of us have have done articles and posted them online and posted them on social media. So we all know what you put in an article. You choose what picture shows up on social media. Mm -hmm. So this was a deliberate choice. This wasn't something that just like auto generates or it got picked by accident. Like you specifically pick what picture goes there. So yeah. someone did that on fucking purpose. Mm -hmm. It's like when I always talk about the budget deficit under Ronald Reagan. I said, well, oh, my God. Well, the Democrats were in charge of Congress. How could you possibly blame Reagan? Well, then why is it every time a Republican steps up to a microphone and they blame the de whoever the Democratic president is for the budget deficit or out of control spending? <laughs> they never blame Congress. It's again, we're in the post consistency era that uh, sadly doesn't matter anymore. And that's when you know what, quite honestly, in the bigger picture, that's one of the things that it, it has disillusioned me about politics is I came up at a time doing this as a semi-professional, then professional political commentator. I came up at a time when it was actually possible that if you created a strong enough argument, that you could convince some Republicans of what you were saying. <laughs> Not, Not anymore. anymore. Not anymore. I will say, I will say the look. The sky is blue. Go outside and look at it. No, there, are, right. there, there are some good guys out there. We, Bob and I did a podcast That's with true. Joe Walsh yeah. earlier yeah. this week, and it's out now. Um, you can check. I think it's, I can't remember what his podcast is called, but you can check it out. We had a really long. White flag. I think it's the white flag. The white flag with, yeah. Podcast with Joe Walsh. Yeah. Joe Walsh is a good dude. Yeah, I, he is. You know, he's a good guy. I know a lot of people on the left don't think he's paid for his sins enough, but he's, he's a, sincere honest guy i think that's my impression of him and we had a really interesting conversation with joe uh and it it, it did sort of remind me of discourse in the old days you know perhaps um you know somewhat in the mid early days in the obama administration right where you, you could have these kind of civilized conversations before it became hyper you know insane before it went nuts um and I hope that we can get back to that. And I guess, you know, I, I want to do more stuff with Joe in the future because I think it was fr fruitful and useful that, that we could talk to a, a, a Republican, a very conservative person, you know, who's had an about turn in his ideology and belief and he's willing to listen. And, you know, maybe we just need to do more of that. Um, but look, this leading on to my both sides segment is someone who absolutely won't. Um, this is kind of, <laughs> but it's kind of sad, right? My my pick this week is Tucker Carlson, and I'll give you his example because he's, he's such a horrendous human being. Um, Tucker Carlson reported on the resignation of the New Zealand Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern, who um, quit, who basically resigned, saying that she can't do it anymore. She's too tired, which is totally understandable. I don't know who would want to be a prime minister or a president of anything. It's, it sounds like it sounds insane. So. Carlson began his segment, he, says, and he said, and some rare good news, the appalling Prime Minister of New Zealand, Jacinda Ardern, 
that's the lady with the big teeth who tormented her citizens has just announced <laughs> she's leaving office, right? Wow. Yeah. This is, this is the level of discourse now um, on the right. This is what passes as right-wing commentary, political commentary, insulting people's appearances, right? And, like, this poor woman has been run ragged through her job. She's survived, you know, pandemics, mass shootings. She's had a hell of a job. Uh, and, and did, in my opinion, I don't follow New Zealand politics that closely, but she was a good prime minister, a very good prime minister, did a really good job during COVID. And and Tucker Carlson insults her teeth, right? Hmm. Th- this is a guy that we can't, you know, having said that, you know, there are, <laughs> there are Republicans we can talk to. This is one you can't. This is a conservative that weirdly 15 years ago, I probably could have had a conversation with Tucker Carlson. Not now, not now. This this guy now, what he does is own lips. That's what he li- lives for. That's how he makes his money. That's how he acu- that's how he gets his power by owning lips, by insulting you know a, a woman's appearance, physical appearance. Because hey, why not? You know the hmm. the maggots love it. All the all yeah. the dumb all the dumb it's... rednecks watching his show love it. Misogyny sells. Yeah, misogyny yep. sells. But now it's just, you can just, you know, I would say back, you know, 10 years ago, pre Donald Trump, you wouldn't be able to say that. You'd get fired quickly, right? There was some sense of decorum, and even in Fox News, not anymore. That's all that no, Now it's a complete free for all. Yeah. And again, you don't see this on the left. You don't see, you don't see people insulting a woman's appearance like that. For no good reason, because you d- disagree with them politically, it's terrible. Um, anyhow, look, guys, let's move in. We're going into the emergency podcast, right? The emergency meeting. Uh, I want to have sirens playing. I'm going to get sound effects. I'm looking into how we can get some cool sound effects for this. It's the emergency meeting. Um, there you go. That's pretty good, right? Bob, Bob, you've got tons of cool effects on your show. I'm really jealous. I need to figure out how you do that. Uh, Bob's got some awesome, um, awesome. I don't know how you do it. You're you're doing it a long time, but it's cool. Uh, We're gonna get. uh, uh, We're gonna get. Gotta get the Star Trek red alert sound. Right. Okay. Okay. I've got something. I've got something that I'll I'll load up when we start it. When we start the uh, emergency meeting. Oh, awesome. Okay, so we're in the emergency meeting, and the emergency meeting today is about liberals freaking out over Biden and the classified documents. This is getting reaching peak fever level, right? Where liberals really are terrified about what's happening, and we need to have a conversation about it. So, we're going into the emergency meeting now. Thank you all for listening. Uh, you can get a free trial on a band of membership that gets you access to the emergency meeting. Sixty percent off. The links in the uh, on the newsletter. Click that. You can listen to it. And for everyone else, we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening. Later.